Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Welcome to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives with Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide, a child sponsorship ministry transforming children's lives by exposing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's join Bill now as he opens us up with prayer. Lord of heaven and earth, it is a privilege to come to you today in prayer. Thank you for making a way where there seems to be no way. God Almighty, we give these next few minutes to you. We pray that ears will be opened to your truth. Holy Spirit, quiet our minds and open our hearts at this time as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Bill Neenhouse from Child Care Worldwide. We're a child sponsorship ministry located in Bellingham, Washington. Our mission is to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ to children throughout the world. I'm so glad you've decided to join me here on Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives. We meet each Sunday morning at this time to study the Word and talk about lives that have been transformed by the power of the Almighty God. My prayer is that this will be a time of blessing for you. Our Bible verse today is a familiar one to so many people. In fact, you might even have this one memorized. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If someone came to you and asked, if you wanted the best life, what would you say? I'm sure you'd say you'd want it, right? Who wouldn't want the best life? The happiest life? The most comfortable life? A life of complete and total freedom? Bliss? No worries, no hardship, just the best life ever. What would the best life even look like? Most of us probably go immediately to materialistic things. The best life looks like what we see in this world. Lots of money, big houses, cars, vacation homes, the best clothes, the best parties, the ability to have whatever we want whenever we want it. Ultimate power. Yet isn't it amazing that the people with the most things are almost always unhappy people? How many times do we hear of a celebrity who seemingly has everything life could offer succumb to prescription drug addiction to combat their pain and depression, which often ends in suicide? We read stories of billionaires who are isolated and friendless, so focused on making and getting more that they don't really have anyone to rely on but themselves. Seems there are a lot of people telling us today we can have the best life ever. Most of the time, that life doesn't come free of charge. Thousands of books tell us how to live the best life. People on TV, on the internet, through blogs and podcasts are constantly peddling the answer to your best life now. Even churches get into the act. Not just here in the U.S. either. I've been to cities in Africa where many church pastors teach the so-called prosperity gospel. Each Sunday sermon is about a God that ultimately exists to give you money, fame, power, and a life free from sickness and despair. And what's sad is the people attending these churches are amongst the most poor in the world. The God they teach about isn't the God of the Bible. It's a God made by man's desires. What if I could tell you that instead of you having your best life, you can have God's best? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. First, let's talk about a wonderful love. 
For God so loved the world. What kind of love is this? God's love is a wonderful love because of its outreach. It extends into every nation, city, and town. It reaches into every home, church, and school. God's love moves all over the earth. God's love is wonderful because of what it does. It delivers from sin. It heals broken hearts. It mends hurts and disappointments. It lifts the fallen and restores brokenness. You can't purchase this kind of love. You can't do a list of 10 easy things to obtain it. There are no tactics, no budget payments needed, no surprise shipping and handling. There's no buyer's remorse. In fact, this wonderful love is a gift. It's absolutely free. God's love is a wonderful gift. God gave His only begotten Son. This gift is wonderful because of who His Son is. Jesus Christ is God's one and only Son. He's completely unique. No one is like Jesus. No human man is. Jesus lived a sinless life. We can't possibly do that. Jesus lived a completely righteous life. Again, we have no ability to live a righteous life suitable to God. For years, Pastor Timothy preached on John 3.16. He preached about the constant call of the cross, the sacrificial work, and the pain and suffering the Son endured on that cross. Yet the truth of that passage really came into focus a few years ago. You see, Pastor Timothy's young son had an accident. He climbed up the kitchen counter to get a glass, and while doing so, dropped it and proceeded to cut his foot wide open. Needless to say, he was rushed to the doctor. The doctor said, before I can help him, I need to give him a local anesthetic. As he gave him the injection, Pastor Timothy turned away. He couldn't bear to watch. All he could hear was the wailing coming from his son's mouth. The pastor cringed with each scream, for it was as if he was actually receiving the injection. Later that night, when all was said and done, Pastor Tim was able to better understand the Father's love for him. John 3.16 really came into focus. God allowed his son Jesus to hurt so we could be helped. God's gift is a wonderful gift because of what Jesus did. He gave himself to die which was the penalty for our sin. No king, no president, no billionaire, not even angels can forgive the sin of mankind. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. Jesus paid the price for our sin. As a result, our sins are forgiven. We are cleansed. We have peace. We have the Holy Spirit, the Great Comforter. Next, let's talk about how God's best produces a wonderful faith that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The faith God provides is wonderful. It is the best because it is the means by which we receive God's most wonderful gift, life through Jesus Christ. The alternative is death. Without belief in Jesus, we die in our sin and forfeit everlasting life with God. Faith pleases God and makes everything possible. We are to live by faith. It is a way of life. For when we live by faith, we are honoring God. We're acknowledging His amazing love. We trust Him with everything in this life, so we can have everything in an everlasting life with Him. Pastor Matt was preaching one night in Minneapolis in his church, and the power of God came upon the congregation in an amazing way. When Matt stepped down from the pulpit, he noticed four people kneeling, two brothers and two young ladies whom they had brought with them to the service. These brothers came from an utterly godless family and were regarded as hard men. But the Spirit of God had taken a hold of them that night. 
A few church workers spoke to three of the four who were kneeling in prayer, and Pastor Matt talked to the older of the men. He listened as Matt pointed him to the Bible passages that showed how Jesus Christ had borne all his sin in his own body on the cross, and how if he would believe in Christ, he would be forgiven. The man claimed to accept Christ, but it was clear that he had not found peace, and he left the building that night in discouragement. The man was present again the next night, and Pastor Matt talked with him. He said he found it difficult to believe that his sins were completely forgiven. Matt took him to the book of John. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And Matt had him read that over and over again. Matt asked the man, Who does God say has everlasting life? The man said, He that believes in the Son. Pastor Matt said, Do you believe in the Son? I do, said the man. Pastor Matt asked, How many that believe in the Son have everlasting life? The man answered, Everyone. Have you believed in the Son? Matt asked. I have, answered the man. What does God say about those who believe in the Son? They have everlasting life. Matt asked, What makes you so sure? Well, God says so, answered the man. Still not knowing if the man was actually comprehending God's word, he arose and started slowly down the aisle to leave the church building. Pastor Matt said he would pray for the man. When he was partway down the aisle, Matt asked him, Do you believe that I will pray for you? Why, I know that you will, the man replied. Well, how do you know I will? asked Matt. Because you said so. Is not God's word as good as mine? Pastor Matt asked. In an instant, the truth flashed upon the man's soul. He saw that while he had been ready to believe Pastor Matt, he had not actually been ready to believe God. He immediately decided to take God at his word, and he knew that he had everlasting life because God said so. The man went home rejoicing in perfect assurance that he had everlasting life and that his sins were forgiven. The life we have here on earth is wonderful because it is God-given. Only God can produce the perfect life. A wonderful life begins when we accept by faith God's wonderful love and his wonderful gift. This wonderful life is everlasting. Not even death can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Each breath we take is a gift from God. Every minute we live here on earth is an opportunity to praise Him, worship Him, and tell others about Him. Living life on earth means we will be subjected to its constraints. This life doesn't guarantee material items. It doesn't guarantee the most successful job. It doesn't mean we will be the most popular people and have the most friends. After all, we're subject to sin in this life. Life for the Christian can be hard. The good news, though, is that this life isn't the only life. It's not our best life. It won't ever be our best life. The best life is an everlasting life with God. Jesus gives us that life. We spend each day looking forward to that life. The best life is our life to come. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for providing the promise of everlasting life through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, the life we have now isn't the end. It's just the beginning. Send your Holy Spirit to comfort us in the days we have left here on earth. Open opportunities for us to tell others about your gift of everlasting life. Father, help us to know and believe that our best life isn't here right now, but will be the best when it's life with you in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
We just got through talking about receiving God's best instead of attempting to find our best life here on earth. At times, this life delivers pain and suffering. The Christian life can be very hard. A couple of weeks ago, a friend I've known for over 45 years called me on the phone to tell me that his son took his own life. Not only could I hear the pain come across the telephone, but I felt it. Nothing can prepare you for the unexpected death of a child. I struggled with the right words, but knew the most important thing was to pray that the grace of God would overflow upon my friend and his wife in the midst of their sorrow. Many walk through the valley of death and desperation during their time on earth. If that's what you're experiencing right now, listen to this story about Peter and Douglas. Douglas's voice over the phone was laced with despair. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't end it all right now. On the other end of the call, Peter could tell that Douglas meant what he said. He knew this wasn't a random comment. Douglas's suicidal depression was the result of life gone completely awry. In those brief moments before Peter answered, he thought of Douglas's failing health caused by a workplace accident. He had gone from being a very robust and active man to being physically and mentally incapacitated. Peter remembered how Douglas had lost his job, friends, family, and his very identity as a result. His friends had abandoned him. His wife had divorced him, and his children had turned against him. Peter also thought back over the last year and the input he had been able to have in Douglas's life. He had spent a lot of time with him, helping him meet practical and physical needs. He had Douglas in for meals, assisted him with legal matters, and had just been a good friend. It had taken a long time to gain Douglas's trust, and now it looked like Peter would finally have an opportunity to share the gospel with him. Douglas, Peter said, I get it. Right now, life is really bad. You and I know that. We're not in denial about the mess or the awfulness that you're going through. We can't say it's not bad. It is bad. When life stinks as bad as it does right now, there's only one way you can make sense of it. You have to understand it from the perspective of the creator of life. I would love an opportunity to get together and explain it to you. It will take some time, but if you'll let me, I'd like to do it. Peter glanced at his calendar. Look, Douglas, I get back home on Tuesday. I'll see you Wednesday morning, but you have to promise me you won't hurt yourself. The two men did get together that Wednesday, and Peter introduced Douglas to the God of the Bible. He explained how the redemptive story in the book would give Douglas that one good reason why he shouldn't end his life. They started getting together every other day for about 90 minutes at a time, going through the Gospels chapter by chapter. When Peter's friend began teaching a group through the book of John at a local coffee shop, Peter and Douglas joined them. This gave Douglas the chance to sit back and listen while enjoying the companionship of others in the group. Once they had started into the book, there was no holding Douglas back. He thoroughly enjoyed it. His eyes were opened, and by the time they finished the book of John, Douglas was saved. The despair and suicidal depression never came back. Although the grief and loss were still real, Douglas was now at peace with God. Peter continued to disciple Douglas and took him to church. He loved to get together with other believers and enjoyed the fellowship. In the past, he had some very bad experiences with the church, but this time it was very different. His whole disposition had changed, and he was basking in his newfound spiritual peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Years later, Douglas's health took a turn for the worse, and it wasn't long before he passed away. Before he died, Peter contacted Douglas's ex-wife. 
she brought their children in to see him one final time, resulting in an emotional reconciliation. Shortly before Douglas passed away, Peter sat with him and asked, Douglas, is God at peace about you? Douglas nodded. Yes, he is. I know God is at peace about me because Jesus made peace for me. As Peter thought over his relationship with Douglas, he realized how critical it was to first build a friendship with him. It would have been so easy to just jump in and throw God at Douglas without some context, the right context. The gospel would have gone nowhere without Douglas's trust in Peter. He'd never have opened up. What's more, a quick gospel presentation would have confused him. The time that Peter invested in building a friendship of trust with Douglas was well worth it. Being a friend of the world is compromise. Being a friend of sinners is compassion. Because of Peter's patience and faithful friendship, Douglas was willing to open up and listen to what Peter had to say about life from God's perspective. And in the end, Douglas's life had gone from one of suicidal despair to one of hope and peace right up till he met his Savior face to face. Do you have a friend like Douglas in your life? Could you make a call today to talk with your friend about the love of Christ? The late Harry Rimmer penned the following letter to Charles E. Fuller of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour shortly before his death. Dear Charles, Next Sunday you plan to talk about heaven. I am interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of property there for over 50 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at a tremendous sacrifice. I am not holding it for speculation. It's not a vacant land. For more than half a century, the greatest architect of the universe has been building a home for me, which will never need remodeling or repairs because it will suit me perfectly, individually, and will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundation, for it rests upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No lock or bolts will ever be placed upon the doors, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands, now almost completed and ready for me to enter in and abide in peace eternally without fear of being rejected. There is a valley of deep shadow between this place where I live today and that to which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home in that city without passing through that valley. But I'm not afraid because the best friend I ever had went through the same valley long, long ago and drove away all its gloom. He stuck with me through thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago, and I hold his promise in printed form never to forsake me or leave me alone. He will always be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I shall not lose my way because he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday but I have no assurance I will be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for luggage. Yes, I'm ready to go, and I may not be here when you are talking next Sunday evening about heaven, but I will meet you there someday. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Childcare worldwide transforms children's lives by exposing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ, providing for their physical needs, and sponsoring education. You know, we connect sponsors with children through Christ-based life centers. 
with sponsors and life centers removing barriers, children grow spiritually and physically into thriving, productive adults. A Life Center is located in a local church, and each Saturday, for three hours, our children meet at the local church to learn Bible stories, memorize scripture, eat a nutritious meal, and just generally have fun. Throughout the coronavirus pandemic, Child Care Worldwide has been delivering food and other basic supplies to the children at our Life Centers. Even though we can't run regular programs due to social distancing measures, we're grateful for every opportunity we have to interact with the kids and to remind them that God loves them, even in the midst of these hard times. Vulnerable kids face a variety of needs. Sometimes it can be overwhelming trying to determine the best way to help them. But providing food for kids during this pandemic has reaffirmed our commitment to feeding hungry children. Food is one of our most basic needs for survival. But here at Child Care Worldwide, we see it as much more than calories and nutrition. We believe that each meal can have a spiritual impact as well. When kids come to our life centers, our main goal is to introduce them to the hope of the gospel. But so often they face many barriers in their life that prevent them from welcoming the radical transformation found in Jesus. And one of the biggest barriers is hunger. These kids have so much potential. They're smart, driven, and creative. But when they're hungry every day, that need overshadows everything else. How can a child focus on school or gospel lessons when their stomach is aching from hunger? Or when they're falling asleep in their chair because they didn't have breakfast? It's just impossible for them to concentrate. Sadly, many of our children are used to surviving without enough food at home and the pandemic has only highlighted their family's precarious circumstances. For families living hand-to-mouth, an economic emergency like this can completely destroy their prospects. Helping where we can becomes more important than ever. Not only does each meal help children survive and grow strong and healthy, each meal reminds them that they are loved and that they're not in this alone. Vicky, one of our sponsored children in Uganda, was so overwhelmed when she received a food package recently that she was laughing, crying, and shouting all at once. I thank Child Care Worldwide for the great miracle of food. I'm so happy for the food package. Now I can eat rice and beans, and I won't go to sleep hungry. Now I know that God will never let me down. With even just basic assistance, children like Vicky are free to pursue their God-given potential. If we can help them through this pandemic and the other trials they face, I can't wait to see what they will accomplish in the future. The simple act of sharing a meal with a child in need opens the door for hope and change in their life. Constantly living without food harms our children in every aspect of their life. When their bellies are empty, they can't fully engage in school or even their life center lessons. It's heartbreaking to see children missing the hope of the gospel simply because they're hungry. You know, over 66 million children go to school hungry every day. Our weekday lunch program ensures children have the nutrition they need not just to survive, but to thrive. Lunch at school helps kids focus better. It improves grades and even increases attendance. A healthy meal is a key part of our discipleship curriculum. If kids were hungry, how could they focus on the important spiritual lessons we're teaching? But sharing a meal together helps kids connect with their life-centered teachers and opens doors to sharing the gospel. For families living on the edge, we provide packages of staple foods and other essential items. A month's supply of beans, rice, cooking oil, soap, and more can transform a family's circumstances and give them the extra stability they need to survive. Thankfully, you can help. 
Each meal costs just $1, and it sets kids up for a successful day of learning and transformative growth. Go to childcareworldwide.org food today and give the gift of a meal for a child. Childcare Worldwide is a Christian sponsorship ministry, and we are so proud of the work we do. We thank God every day for His provision and for His help and His loving kindness that's shown through generous sponsors in the United States who then gift wonderful opportunity to kids all over the world. Childcareworldwide.org is the place where you can find out more. Thanks for listening to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives. I'm Bill Neenhouse, President of Childcare Worldwide. We'll talk again next week. You've been listening to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives with Bill Neenhouse, President of Childcare Worldwide. To learn more, go to childcareworldwide.org. Join us again next week here on 820 AM, The Word. <laughs>